2: Hi everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, your second free show of the week where we get together to talk about all things Rangers. I'm Cami Bell as always on a Friday um, and I'm overjoyed to say that I am joined by one of our female podders, uh, Caroline Morrison. Caroline, how are you? Are you enjoying all things Rangers at the moment?
0: Hi Cami. Uh, yeah I certainly am. It's pretty difficult to be anything other than ecstatic as a Rangers fan right now, isn't it?
2: Well, listen, it just feels like as if it's a big roller coaster at the moment. And uh, it, it, we've, we, we certainly went through a, a kind of very tough game, which we'll get on to uh, in just a moment as well. But uh, before we launch into anything, I think, Caroline, uh, the most important thing that we can do uh, in, in today's show is to say a huge congratulations to Stephen Gerrard uh, for Pl- Manager of the Month and James Tavernier for Player of the Month, uh, both obviously across November. Um, we haven't failed to win our Player of the Month. Uh, this is Tab's second. Um, uh, Conor Goldson has won it and Ryan Kent has also won it. This is the manager's third, so this is his hat-trick. So um, it's been absolutely fantastic to see what our, our first half of the season, I think we can start to call it now, because we've kind of said, well, this is the beginning of the season. I think we're edging our way closer to New Year, so that's usually the kind of the midway point. Um, but what a tremendous um first half of the season we've had so far and congratulations to uh, both the manager and James Tavernier-Furries uh, for the rewards for this month.
0: Yeah so well deserved and there's not even I mean other teams have had you know maybe a, a decent few games decent run but there's no real contenders to how consistent and just much improved we've been to the to the start of this season so yeah, I, I doubt there was much real competition for either of them uh, over the month of November. So, yeah, long may it continue. Really excited to see, uh, well, as I said, am pretty confident, but excited to see us finally get this post New Year monkey off our back and, and show our consistency into uh, 2021 as well.
2: Yeah, and, and as we're talking about awards uh, and spoils, uh, as we're going to talk about standard liaises game last night, congratulations also to Alan McGregor, who uh, surpassed Barry Ferguson's um, appearance goal, uh, uh, appearance record as well for a Rangers player in, in, on the European stage. Um, almost the business end of, kind of three decades he's been doing this, as he, he made himself onto the bench. Um, I think he was just turned 17, Caroline, when he um, he started getting in and around the first team as well. Obviously, he's had his uh, period away from the club, but come back. Uh, tremendous servant to Rangers. Uh, fully deserved of that accolade as well, which shows not only um, his length of time at the club, but also how, fortunately, he's been he has been injury-free at that time. Um, but, you know, all he does is continue to set standards. He, he's getting better with age, and, and mapping.
0: Oh, 100%, Yeah. He certainly doesn't look to be losing any of his form. And in fact, hearing um, Gerard after the match last night, uh, just you know, commending him on how he approaches his fitness and how he's worked on different parts of his fitness. I think he mentioned flexibility and working at things like that to make sure that despite his age, he's still able to compete at the very top level. And the fact that he really maintains carefully his weight and he just makes sure that, You know, he—you wouldn't know his age looking at him play, and yeah, I'd love to think that we've got, um, you know, a Buffon on our hands, and he could play well into his forties. That would be ideal.
2: Yes, I think I know another heart and hand podder who would be. Particularly uh, enjoying Alan McGregor to stay around, uh, stay around the, the club at that time. We won't mention her name. It's Marina Bannatine. However, <laughs> let's crack on uh, with as we say. We mentioned the roller coaster, and, and last night certainly was a roller coaster. Standard Liège uh, came to Ibrox last night. Um, I think in the opening periods of the game last night, Caroline, it felt a little bit to me like there was. I don't know if you could call it a residual hangover, some some after effects of our game across in Belgium, but certainly they came across with a plan to to come out and put us a, uh, you know, into a difficult position. I think that coupled with maybe a little bit of disorganisation from ourselves. I didn't think that we looked incredibly uh, comfortable uh, in the opening period of the game. And all it took was was six minutes for Liège to be able to to take the lead. Um, I think at that stage, it was a bit of a kind of hammer blow to us, certainly not as bad as the one we suffered in Benfica and that it was... You know, significantly later on in the game, it was a whole five minutes later than when we conceded in Benfica. But I think we went into that game last night full of, kind of hopes of right. We should have, you know, got a, a fairly comfortable performance that we can put this game to bed, uh, make sure that we've qualified for the second stage because we've been a bit frustrated that we weren't able to do that in, in match day four. Um, yeah, this was a real test, I think, and, and that was was certainly shown by the fact that we fell behind so early not a great start to the game I don't think Caroline in terms of the way how we were playing and just our, our as I say a general shape it just felt a bit to me we looked a little bit off the boil a wee bit.
0: Yeah we didn't start well and everyone was in agreement in that in the kind of post-match interviews and in the the press interviews today um we we weren't we weren't sharp at all our passing was abysmal we just didn't look as hungry as um as Liège did so yeah we, we we seemed sloppy and to be honest we were probably lucky to go in at half time as we did what was nice though was you probably from past experience of, of maybe years gone by you worry about um you know a European run like this where we have such a successful start to a group phase and then we tail off and we don't quite manage to get what we're looking for but you can't really doubt this team's character we've seen it before um, in the European stage where we are able to come back and we show real strength of character in situations like this what was nice especially to see yesterday though and what was a bit different is that game management and not only game management but how quickly we've adapted and learned from very recent mistakes against Benfica in order to to manage out a game so even after we, we kind of scored um, the third last night, you could tell that Liège were tiring a little, but they still posed a threat. And the way that we managed that game out just showed a bit more maturity than what we had, perhaps, in, in previous games. And, of course, it's, it's different because the standard of opposition uh, against Benfica is, is, is much different. But, nevertheless, the way we approached it, you could see a, a vast improvement. And that was the nicest thing to see for me.
2: Well, we, we talk about character, and I do want to do want to focus on that because, as you rightly say, um, we uh, we were able to get back level uh, thanks to a Conor Goldson um, header, a, a, quite a bullet point header in terms of being able to try and go by the keeper's right-hand post. Uh, five minutes shy of half-time, however, you might have been thinking, right, OK, that's five minutes to go, might stick the kettle on, um, but don't you dare get out of your armchair because um, less than 120 seconds later... Um, standard age, we back in front and it was 2-1 at this point and um, I- I'll refrain because you're a lady to make a joke around, you know, ball or balls off the post um, but I cannot tell you, when um, when that ball got whipped in um, and Court was able to finish and obviously his momentum carries him into the post, I cannot tell you, every guy <laughs> watching that game last night would have just winced at that point as well um, a sore one to take but in fairness, you know, he, he- they took it well, he, he he would he would go off at half time and, and wouldn't come back which I think is, is kind of fair enough um, what I do want to talk about though is is our equaliser uh, or our second equaliser I should say which came around those three great words penalty to Rangers and that came about I think Caroline from quite a bizarre set of circumstances where we were moving forward and at this point in the game and this is why I do want to talk about character because this is just swinging back and forth constantly now and conceding a goal so quickly after you've equalized, as we've just done, is 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 literally, you know, a real a real, you know, kick to the home. Was however, we 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 just kept going with our game and we kept uh, producing opportunities to be able to come into it. and we produced this from a penalty, which I, I had no idea what had been given at this point. Looking back on it in the replay, a tremendous decision because the player turns his back on it, the ball strikes his hand, which is now out of the silhouette of his body. I'm not a huge fan of the whole silhouette, palava, and, you know, natural outline, all that kind of stuff. But listen, you know, it's been an incredible first half up to this point. Did you see the penalty? Did you see it happen in live time or, or was it just, a, were you the same as me as a, what's happened to you and who's given that scenario? No,
0: nope, it came, I must say, as a, a bit of a surprise to me because in real time, I didn't quite notice that it had come off his hand um, and I was just waiting for the, the corner, to be honest. Um, but those are the rules you, you can debate until you're blue in the face about whether or not you like them. And Ali McCoyston on commentary last night was quite open and, and candid in saying that he really does not like that. And, and fair enough, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but they are the laws of the game. And in this case, they've, they've kind of come out in our favor. So we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to um, complain too much about it. The only thing I'd say is that, you know, we had a shot, which was most likely on target that was, then you know out for a corner as a result of hitting off his hand so that from that perspective does seem like it's it's fair and it's just that we do get a penalty and Tav I mean you'll come on to talk about it I'm sure but uh, in his form this season a penalty is as good as a goal straight away I mean I know he has to put them away and it's clear he must practice a lot and he has really perfected his craft when it comes to taking penalties but the confidence that I think collectively we have a support as a support when we see him stepping up now is quite remarkable. And yeah, the number of goals he's notched up now, um, you know, it blows your mind to think what his potential would be between now and the end of the season. You're talking, you know, not just striker numbers potentially, but a very good striker number that he could end up with come the end of the season.
2: Well, there's two two things that I kind of want to talk about. And I think you know, as much as we can make a bit of a laugh and a joke about the whole penalty to Rangers thing, it's in order to be able to to, to win a penalty, you have to make sure that you are basically camped in your opponent's first third. You need to be able to make sure that you're right on their penalty box, that you are having shots of goal, that you're getting play into the box, that causes them to commit fouls, all the rest of it. The way how we set up, Caroline, is built for being able to try and do that because we want to be able to try and penetrate we want to be able to recover the ball as quickly as we possibly can to then move forward with it. So you can understand to a certain extent people looking on the the, the other side of the, the fence and saying, "Oh, you know, get penalties all the time. So the reason why we're getting penalties all the time is because we are moving so quickly with the ball. We are penetrating as quickly as we possibly can. And that we are ensuring that we are as offensive as we possibly can be by being able to try and get in and around the, the opposition's penalty box. You do that enough times, you're going to create chances to be able to, to, to win penalties. And very simply, that's all it is. It's not an exact science. It's just simply camping yourself out to make sure that you're giving yourself the best possible opportunity to do that. And then on to your point, which is absolutely correct, the second thing I wanted to kind of say here was it, it almost feels as if with how well Tab is playing that you know a penalty does become almost second nature. It'll be converted, but there's still a pressure on you to be able to try and do that. He'll have been aware more than anyone else last night that we probably haven't played well. He's went through that start of the game, which we probably haven't produced the best football we could have done by far. We know that. But then going behind so quickly after equalising, he's gone through that same uh, rigorous kind of thought process, but then he has to put the ball on the spot and convert it. I, I honestly think he's going to break easily. He had said today in the press conference he wants to be able to try and get 20 goals, but he's also looking... Uh, at more assists, that's one thing they would like to be able to try and increase. As far as I'm concerned, at the moment, he can do both. But what a, what a brilliant penalty again last night, and he's become so reliable on them.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think he's a little bit kind of, um, yeah, he's playing it down a little bit as you'd expect him to when he, he's talking about it like that, and that's what you want to hear. But there's every chance that he could hit the twenty mark before Christmas at this rate. You know, with with. Um, you know, like you say, the fact that we are getting penalties and I know it's going to get an absolute rise out of the people across the, the, the city from us who think it's part of some great conspiracy. But in reality, if we are playing teams as well who have got, you know, eight, nine players in their box and if we are, uh, you know, applying as much pressure as we are going forward in matches for prolonged periods, then it's natural that you're going to see um, the number of penalties that we that we have been. Um, there's definitely going to be some some upshot as a result of that. So yeah, for for Tav, a, yeah, a twenty, I think he can probably get comfortably and notching up a few more assists is is only a great thing for the rest of the team.
2: We uh, we went in at halftime. I have no idea what the managers half halftime team talk would have been at that point because if he would written it before 40 minutes then he was certainly um, he was certainly scrapping at that point but quite clearly on a serious point he would not have been happy with the way how the kind of game started um, sadly uh, the second half started out pretty much just exactly the same I thought that Liège were looking to be able to try and come back and talk with this however um, just after the hour mark um, a wonderful passage of play which um, saw Ryan Kent being able to come in Cutting towards the byline, looks up, sees Scotty Arfield. Now, Scotty Arfield at this point, if you if you rewatched that goal from the beginning of the move, Scotty Arfield isn't even in picture. However, Arfield bursts an absolute lung to be able to, to come in. Kent spots him. It's a wonderful uh, slight pass right through the box, right through the Leeds defence, finds Arfield. He buries it with aplomb. You see the salute. We're now in front for the first time in the game. I thought that the whole period at that point showed that, yes, we might look a little bit, as I say, disorganised. We might just look a little bit um, all over the place. We needed to settle into it far quicker than we could, but there was just that resilience. And I think that's a big word that I want to be able to use, especially in the European stage as well, Caroline, where we've just used that that strength and character and that resilience to be able to get us into that space where we know that we can continue to compete. And then when we got our noses in front of that stage, I thought by that point, that period of play, and that specific passage gave us a, a, a well-deserved lead, in my opinion.
0: Oh, definitely. And and complete hats off to Kent because he's constantly looking and he's constantly, you know, creating chances and trying things. And it doesn't always come off, but it really doesn't deter him from trying and trying again. And you get your just rewards from players like Kent who are that determined. And yeah, it was it was a fantastic cutback for our field and the, the greatest joy for me is seeing him with that salute, which we'd heard during the week from um, a kind of Celtic podcast is something that really irks them. So knowing that now that that's one of the things that causes them so much pain, uh, then I can't wait to see many more salutes between now and the, the end of the season, hopefully
2: yes yes, absolutely and if we could get a couple just in the first game um, after the new year that would be That would be just as, as lovely Rangers at this point I think Carly now started to calm down and we did uh, create a number of different opportunities Kamal Roof was incredibly unlucky uh, we had a couple of absolutely fantastic free kicks that were saved by equally if not better saves Bodar as it turns out can't save from shots in his own half but he's pretty good at saving them from shots within his own uh, with, his, with his own half as well, but we uh, we we were certainly unlucky with a couple of the free kicks. Ruth was unlucky, and I think you know, as much as we can say now, yeah, three 2 one will absolutely take. It could have finished with another two or three goals to Rangers at that point, and thankfully, I think that at that stage we've shown, and it's been a very very good test and I think we can look back at it and and take the most amount of positives from the fact that we we didn't let our heads go down. Yes, we know that other circumstances could have caused qualification without us having to do too much anyway. And we're obviously in a very comfortable space, but irrespective, we still maintain true to form and we wanted to get the task done. And I think by the end of it, I think Liege would have been quite happy just to leave it at 3-2 because um, by the last 30 minutes or so, we were in the absolute ascendancy.
0: Yeah, and another kind of shot to mention is that Borna free kick which, you know, the goalkeeper did a fantastic job um, to to save. He'd obviously, I think, been, been watching uh, Borna's free kicks and um, maybe was, was prepped for it. But to be able to put in a save like that when it was such, you know, a precision free kick is still quite remarkable. So fair play to him. He, he was outstanding for them, you know, particularly in that second half. So um, you're right, it could have been, a greater margin, but nevertheless, it's job done, it's three points, and it takes that pressure off. So for us now, rather than needing to go into the last game um, to get a result to guarantee something, actually, we've already got that prize. And there's only bonus on top of that. So if we can finish top of the group, fantastic, that's just really the, the cherry on top of the cake. But nevertheless, it's job done. And we can, if necessary, um, like Gerard mentioned today in his interview, just I guess reassign players a bit more um, cleverly. So if we find that this weekend has been a bit taxing um, up uh, in Dingle, then we know that that we can manage players a bit better next week, not needing to get a result, um, you know, on on Thursday. So that's a really nice position to be in, and it's it's very much deserved.
2: One thing that, that I'm interested to get your opinion on as well, Caroline, is that um there's, there's a conversation about obviously we're away to, to Poland next week as our as our final as our final game. There's there's a focus on the fact that we could we could win the group um and come out on top. Doesn't necessarily give you as much of an advantage as it's probably done in, in, in prior tournaments in terms of you know who you could face. You're still gonna face obviously all now the Champions League dropouts and stuff as well. But I don't believe at this level there's easy games in the Champ in the Europa League. I really, genuinely don't. When you get into into the latter stages, um, given the fact that we've got Ross County, then we have like Poznan, and then we uh, we have Dundee United. The manager last night had said that he would probably look to see about resting potential players against Poznan. But in today's press conference, what he was mentioning was there is a there is an element now. There's a huge financial bonus for us winning the group, um, you know, th- there's something like on top of what you would get for the points achievement in terms of winning the actual game versus drawing it or whatever, the, also winning the group um, adds on about another million, million and a half on top of, of, of your existing prize money. Um, is it possible for us to be able to go out there and put out? Uh, do we put out our strongest eleven? Do we put out a relatively mixed group of experience, or do we just simply say, "Look, it's a free hit, and you know we're through." So, what difference does it make?
0: Yeah, I think the good thing is now we've got that flexibility. There's no doubt that Stevie will be getting maybe a quick word in the ear from the board to to say it would be great financially if we could uh, top the group, um, and also just from from our perspective, the not the guarantee, but the chance that you might get a slightly more favourable draw um, is also another incentive. Um, But, you know, seeing our financial results and seeing not just for us, but for every club, how challenging this year and next year is going to be, um, then every penny counts. And if we can boost our our kind of... um, our numbers by as much as, like you say, a million. Then that's not worth kind of uh, turning your nose up at. So it's it's a real fine balancing act, and I think we won't know, and I don't even think Stevie G will properly know what approach he'll take to Thursday's match until we see how we come out at the weekend. I was really glad to hear him say that the absolute priority is the weekend and just seeing. How things stand after we come out the other side of that game. Uh, if there's any players that maybe look like they have taken a bit of a knock, or perhaps are just um, got a bit of a you, you know carrying a slight injury, then yeah, I, I would prefer, given the run that we've got up to Christmas and you know in January, to err on the side of caution.
2: Before we finish up on um, on uh, the Sunday's game. Um, I would like to obviously talk about another huge story which has come out uh, around the club um, since uh, since you heard from David on Monday, and that is that Dave King has agreed to uh, sell his shareholding um, across to, to Club 1872. Um, this story is a couple of days old now, so in terms of, the kind of more recent updates as well, uh, Club 1872 have launched uh, a, a legacy members uh, campaign to be able to uh, offer out opportunities for fans looking to be able to uh, either increase or change or uh, begin investment in the 1872, in order to be able to try and allow them to get to uh, a, a sufficient amount of money, circa about 13 million pounds uh, to be able to buy the, the the king shares off of him directly. Um, We have extended uh, an invitation uh, to 1872 to come on to the flagship to be able to talk more about that. We're looking forward to hearing back from them, um, just to be able to talk a bit more about plans and what's going to happen going forward. It's a tremendous opportunity, Caroline, in terms of now we can look at um, more fan involvement. This this opens a huge door to, to people who were maybe at a stage where they were looking to be able to try and... Uh, invest money in 1872, so this is an absolute um, incentive to do so. So a really, really big opportunity and a hell of a lot of work for the guys in 1872 to, to, to pull off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it shows the ambition of, like you say, the, the men and women in Club 1872 who dedicate so much of their own time to this cause, you know, for all of our benefits. And it is just that case of helping to prevent a situation like we've seen in our very recent history, where as fans we feel powerless and we're completely at the mercy of goodness only knows at the helm of your club. So if there's a way to help protect yourselves from falling into that trap again, then it, it's pretty hard to argue that that's not a fantastic idea. And, and the way that Club 1872 have set out their stall and tried to make this kind of legacy system as accessible to many as many people as possible is wonderful to see. I had a look at some of the detail and the fact that it will almost suit any budget. You know, if you want, you can pay a little more upfront. If you want to do just smaller monthly amounts, if you want somewhere in the middle, they're really flexible on how you can get involved if you want to. So I was really glad to see that I think within only 24 hours, a thousand people had signed up already. It's not something I've, I've signed up for myself yet, but um, looking into it, and I think it's it's something that I absolutely will. Um, it just seems like a great way to help protect our club and not go back to the very dark days of kind of twenty twelve and and just after.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and um, and, and we hope to hear um, from the guys as well to be able to try and have a chat more around uh, what that uh, vehicle is going to look like. And, and again, like I say, a huge opportunity. We returned back to to league business on Sunday, Caroline, with um, a trip to Dingwall. Uh, our very own Mr. Edgar um, is, is heading up north uh, and making his travels to, to go and uh, represent heart and hand uh, as part of the media representation of the game. So it'll be an interesting wee joint for him. I hope he makes it back alive, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> but a, a huge trip for us to be able to come out. We, we have already spoken about we've got one eye on this fixture, I think that that's just part of, of European football is that when you are going in so many different campaigns and you're looking to be able to 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 compete in so many different fronts. You have to be able to put Thursday night to one side and focus again on Sunday. The manager made reference to that in his press conference. Ross County haven't been doing brilliant in the league. They're in the, I think they're 7th they're or 8th at the moment in terms of where their actual league position is This now, but they won't matter about that because they'll have been given a huge injection of enthusiasm following um, putting Celtic out of the, the League Cup um, at Parkhead. So they'll, they'll still be on a kind of natural high from that. Um, the travelling, um, the fact that it's it's still, it doesn't take care of itself in terms of these games. Um, it should be relatively straightforward, I'm hoping, Caroline. But by the time that we get up there, um, we should be able just to have a fairly straightforward game, a fairly decent performance, maybe have to rotate round. We don't have too many new injuries. We've only got Ryan Jack, who will miss the game, and Philip Hollander, who's obviously still isolating. But the the big thing here is that we just need to be able to go and get the three points. It doesn't really matter if you have to win beautifully or or ugly. It's just a case of let's get up there, get the points and come back down the road.
0: Absolutely. And ideally, if we can get the job done slightly earlier in the match, then it makes things a little easier to our earlier point that you might be able to take um, key players who have got tired legs undoubtedly off the pitch a little sooner and allow them even more recovery time ahead of um, travelling and then, of course, the match on Thursday. So you're absolutely right. That team will be completely buoyed at the moment by the fact that they they got such a fantastic um, cup result. So their league position, yeah, we shouldn't allow, you know, to give us too much confidence uh, going into. We still have to play our game and we still have to very much grind out a victory, as, as we will against the, the vast majority of, of opposition that we come a, a, up against this year. Um, but hearing from Gerard and, um, you know, not just Gerard, but Tav and Arfield, um, Davis, even after the match, they were all really clear and in agreement on the fact that they're completely focused on the weekend and they're not taking anything for granted. So, um, on that basis, let's hope that's the case and we'll just go out and, and be as clinical. And ruthless as we've been in so many other matches uh, for this season.
2: And um, do you feel that it's going to be the case that we will have to rotate around the squad? Do you think, or is it going to be a case of like you know, let's just let's just get a, a, a kind of fairly run of the mill performance in terms of what we have to be? But as long as the players know that we could put the game very. Uh, very quickly to bed if we have maybe a, a couple or, or maybe three goals up within uh, even the first 45 minutes if we can do that within the first half we can rotate some of the subs round I would rather it be the case that we, we we start strongly and look to be able to try and, and, and almost get back to that routine win um, rather than have to maybe bring in a couple of younger guys just to give the older ones a rest it, it's tough to judge because again like you say we have to be able to try and make that assessment as you go through as a, as a game by game
0: yeah, and I could be wrong, but I don't anticipate that there would be much of a change from the starting eleven that we saw last night, come Sunday. Um, the only one that I think we might see is Aribo, uh, and only because, you know, that they mentioned after the match, and, and I wholeheartedly agree, Kumar Ruch ran himself into the ground yesterday and with him and his previous injuries, I know that he probably has to be managed in a certain way. So if if he's the type of player that after a game like that, where he gives, you know, everything he's got out on the pitch... If potentially he doesn't start, I, I wouldn't mind. And Aribo, on the form that we saw from him at the very start of the year, uh, provided that that he's back to full fitness, which I think he probably is, if he was, uh, or very close to it, if he was on the bench um, last night and and came off uh, off the bench for for the last part of the game, then I think I would I would trust that he's someone that could come in and offer you absolutely that attacking threat that you could need and be completely troublesome for. For Ross County, so I don't foresee many changes. Maybe something like that is something that that we might see come Sunday, but otherwise, I'm expecting a pretty similar starting eleven.
2: And this week, Caroline, we um, saw the, the the first of uh, uh, I don't know if it's a precedent, but certainly it's the the first time that has happened so far um, of decisions from the SPFL that following uh, inability to compete to to COVID nineteen. Uh, struck squads, that uh, games will be forfeited and three uh, 0 victories awarded to to the the opposition. Now, the reason as to why that impacts us in the slightly nearer future is because earlier on today, Dundee United uh, broke a story to say that nine of their players of their of their first team squad players are now going to be isolating as well. The management staff, the entire coaching team, will also be going into self isolation, um, including manager Mickey Mellon. This is because three staff tested positive for coronavirus. Now, what that basically means is that they know now all must self-isolate for 14 days, which means that the, they will play their game against Livingston uh, tomorrow. However, we play them um, on the 13th of December, which is a weekend Sunday. Um, all joking aside, and yes, it's Sunday United, and yes, we're aware of the history and all of that kind of stuff as well, but... Um, I hope a very speedy recovery um, to, to those who have been impacted by it and, and hopefully people will agree with me, I'm sure that you know people's health absolutely trumps football and all the rest of it and sport and rivalry and what have you um, so I sincerely hope that everyone at Dundee United comes out of this safe and well the challenge this puts back Caroline to the SPFL is what, how do we come up with a set of established rules, what do we have to be able to try and do here that means that we don't have clubs who will be Losing games, it could have an impact in relegation. It could have an impact on, obviously, prize money. It could have an impact on, um, you know, if they get fined thereafter. £40,000 might not be a lot of money to Rangers, for example, but if you're at the bottom of the division and you're already struggling to be able to make end meet, that, that could be cataclysmic. Yes, the vaccine is coming, but right now, as it stands at the moment, we need to be able to try and put back to the SPFL a clearer set of, of rules and understanding just so that, we're putting the player safety at the, the forefront, but also where we minimise the impact in a national game.
0: Yeah, and I think to your first point, I'd absolutely echo that. I mean, as much as we all hate Dundee United for good reason, uh, yeah, you want to make sure that that people are are recovering well from this. Our own Helander is in the same boat, and we want nothing more than for everyone to to get through it as quickly as possible and and you know be, be kind of safe and well. Um, it does feel a little bit, and not for the first time that the SPFL are kind of making things up as they go. And they've set a bit of a precedent um, when it comes to um, Motherwell and, and Hamilton. So it'll be very interesting to see what comes, comes from that. I don't know whether there's any challenge that Motherwell or Hamilton could give to that. Um, it's interesting to see what their reaction is gonna be. I think I saw something that they might consider um, challenge are challenging that that verdict, um, but it's it's definitely a a big line drawn in the sand that I wasn't expecting. And beyond this, like you say, the the implications for teams could be huge. And I don't know if I feel completely comfortable with that. I mean, I I can see the the point that we can't have a fixture pileup, but at the moment, it it doesn't seem right to be taking points off teams.
2: No, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And listen, you know, we've been very, very fortunate with this in terms of, yes, it hasn't had a huge impact to us in terms of other clubs as well. But at the same point, we are stringent in terms of our own testing, our own um, social distancing protocols, et cetera. If other clubs are infringing some of them, then my hope is that certain punishments handed it will take it um, to the next level of seriousness for them. Because again, like you say, it, it can cause problems wherever it is. Um, I just feel at this point in time that being able to then start imposing bans or or, or awarding victories to other clubs the clubs receiving the points won't won't overly want them either because they'll want games to be played we know that there's going to be fixture pileups and we know that there's going to be some concessions but we still want to see games being played and again like you say my hope is that the SPFL can get everyone onto a call and, and again like you say there's some common sense comes out the back of this
0: I think um, some teams might, might not mind being awarded some points.
2: <laughs> no, no, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay, I understand that. But you're understanding the kind of truest sportsmanship levels of the game. My hope would be that everyone would want to still see games being played um, rather than it being the case that it, it defaults to that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. as you say, I mean, it, it depends on circumstances. But financially, we know some some of these teams absolutely cannot afford to take hits on this as well. So my hope is that we can we can make it a bit easier and clearer for them. Um, Caroline, before we go, um, can I just trouble you? As I always like to do with my guests on Extra, um, what do you think the scoreline will be for Sunday? And if if Rangers win, who do you think the goal scorers will be?
0: So I'm going to go with a 3-0 victory. And I would like to see Mirelos in the score sheet. We've seen a bit of the huffy Mirelos. Um, and he's been unlucky, I think, um, in a couple of matches recently. So it's long overdue that he's back on the score sheet. And along with that, let's go for Goldson. Because, you know, he's he's good for a goal right now. And we'll see Arfield. Again, he seems to pop up with important goals at the moment. So let's put the three of them in the in the score sheet for my prediction.
2: Okay, nice one. I'll take 2-0 done back down the road. So that's it. I'll I'll happily take that. And yeah, um I'll maybe go, let's see, I'll I'll go with Tav with a penalty, and then let's see, I'll go with Mireille Loss. I I think, like you see, he could do with a goal, and I'm choking for him to get one. Um, So yeah, I would echo that sentiment as well, so let's see what happens. If you've enjoyed listening to myself and Caroline, why not uh, join us on our Patreon network, which is at patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where you can get up to four or five shows a day about all things to do with Rangers, as I mentioned earlier on. Our very own David Edgar is representing us via uh, our fan media access uh, at Dingwall at the weekend as well. So you'll be able to hear directly from uh, from David at the stadium. Um, And we have a whole ton of shows across a number of different uh, subjects, all Rangers related. And some, as I say, go outside of that. uh, get outside of that sphere this week we launched our 50 greatest rangers which was voted by members of our patreon community and we've already done numbers 50 down to 41 so if you'd like to be part of that please jump over and join a community of over 5,000 000 bears second thing it's left me to do is to thank your executive producers in london mr mike lee and mr paul myers and most importantly uh, to thank uh, the ever lovely miss caroline morrison for coming on thanks caroline it's always great to have you on the show
0: yeah, thanks for asking me, Cammy. Um it's a pleasure to talk about Rangers right now. So happy to, to join you at any point.
2: That's it. Thanks so much, folks. Have a great weekend. Let's get three points in Dingwall Sunday, back down the road, and we'll be back with you again on uh, on flagship on Monday. Thanks all.
0: Podcast Network.
1: 18 plus.